following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Today's scripture reading comes from John 13, verses 1 through 20. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart of this world, uh, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come back from God, and he was going back to God, rose from supper. He lay aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and wipe them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you are. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, glory to the Lamb, God. You are so worthy of our life, of our praise, of our honor, God. God, you are so faithful. You have been faithful to, to every one of us here. Just the fact that we are in this room right now is a testimony of your faithfulness, God. God, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. As we just got through singing, Lord, you are our living hope. Lord, praise be to you, Lord, that we are not born again to a dead hope, but we are born again to a living hope that will never perish, that will never fade away, that will never go away in glory. But, Lord, we will see, as Richard always say, one day, someday, Lord, we will be in your presence where our faith becomes our reality and we will behold you face to face. Lord, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for who you are. And I pray this prayer in your name. And that name is Jesus. And all God's people say amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning, if you let me, about our need for a pedicure. 
or maybe I should say your need for a pedicure. And, and, and as I said, that I saw some of y'all look down at your neighbor's feet thinking, yes, a pedicure would do them good. But I want to let you know up front that we all stand in need of a pedicure. And maybe you have never experienced this wonderful, terrific thing called a pedicure, but it's not just going to a place where they clip your toenails, but when you walk through the door, you are greeted by a hostess, and, and that host leads you to this majestic chair called a massage chair. <laughs> and you step up in that massage chair, and you press them buttons, and you get the setting just as you like, and, and then you think you're done, but the hostess say, can I take your order? What type of drink do you want? We have Coke products and we have libations. <laughs> and you say, oh, we, okay, give me a mimosa, girl. Give me a mimosa. And as you are relaxing with the massage in your drink, all of a sudden the nail tech comes and dip your feet in some hot, warm water. And, and as you close your eyes, just letting your feet soak, all of a sudden she, be, she begins to massage the back of your leg all the way down to your ankle. Shout out, you're going to get this in a little bit when you get that rehab. And you, and, and you just... And, and right now, you just in heaven. You don't got to do no work. All you got to do is sit back, relax, and enjoy. And you think it's over, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what it's called, but they put some, some, some creamy laddery stuff on your feet to make it feel all soft and lovely. It make you not even want to walk no more because your feet just feel so lovely. And then they finally get to your toes and they begin to um, clip off all your corns and bunions and, and the crusty stuff at the bottom. And right when you think it's over, it still ain't over. They put your foot back in the water. Somebody say back in the water. Might they put it back in the water? Then they get this hot towel and just, sometimes the towel too hot, Adriana, um, um, but, but it feels good. It's this amazing experience to go get a pair of kids. It's all I'm trying to say. It's all I'm trying to say. Father's Day right, right around the corner, man. So, um, you know, Father's Day is next month, not in May. Anyway, anyway um, um, but we, many of us are willing to pay high dollars to go get a pedicure because we love being served. Not only do we love being served, we are willing to pay this high price because we have a need for our feet to become less crusty and dusty, so we go to the person who can clean us. Um, chapter 13 is a very important chapter in the book of John because chapter 13 makes a very important transition that we can't miss. So far in the book of John, Jesus has been going around performing miracles and signs. And now, but, but these miracles and signs aren't the primary reason why Jesus came. If you remember last week, Pastor Artez told us that Jesus was troubled in his soul. Why? Because his hour had come. The time for him to fulfill his purpose has come. And we know by reading ahead that Jesus' purpose was to die an atoning death on the cross that paid the ransom for our sins to give everlasting life to all who believe. So right now, chapter 13, Jesus has been walking around doing all these great things. But now, Jesus' focus, the journey is going straight to the cross. This is the moment we all have been waiting for. And if this was a movie, this is the point in the movie where you don't get up and go get no more popcorn. You don't get up and go to the bathroom because the entire movie has been leading up to this point right now. 
John in verse 1 tells us that Jesus' hour had come for him to depart from this world to God the Father. The hour, the moment is here. And the next four chapters makes another transition. Jesus primarily thus far in this book has, has been ministering to the people at large. In the next four chapters, Jesus specifically talks to his disciples, preparing them to live in his absence. These are Jesus' last words to his disciples. They should be clinging to these words as Leonardo DiCaprio was drowning in the Titanic and Rose was holding on to his hand, clinging to his last words. Just as the disciples and us today should be clinging to Jesus' last words. So what was Jesus' last words to his followers? It's fascinating to know that Jesus in his last moments didn't tell them how to increase their 401k. Or, or even how to grow in their social influence. He didn't even tell them how to, the blueprint to, to start and run a mega church. But what he tells them literally shocks them to their core. He gets up from the table, bends down and washes their feet, and says, you are to do likewise. You are to do likewise. If, if I can just remind us of what John the Baptist said in John chapter 1. John said about Jesus that I am not even worthy of taking off his nasty sandals. John the Baptist said he is so holy, he is so majestic, he is so glorious, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And this same Jesus who is holy, who is the King of kings, who is the Lord of lords, who is the one we just sung about, stood up, took off his garments, and washed his disciples' feet. And he told his disciples to do the same thing. He didn't go around the table telling each one of the disciples their spe the specific purpose for their life. So many of us Christians, we, we all have probably at some time prayed, God, what is your will? What is your purpose for my life? We even buy books searching for answers. What is our purpose? Well, Jesus tells us in one answer, that is to wash each other's feet, to pedicure your neighbor. And this is what John 13 is all about. John 13 teaches us that Jesus commands those that he saves to live a life of humble, sacrificial service. But in order for us to do that, we must continually remember the love that God has already richly displayed on the cross. So looking again at, at verse 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2 tells us the, the timing and the setting of the scene. It was before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of, the, out of this world to the Father. And it's important to remember that the Passover feast is a seven-day feast celebrating the time when God passed over every house that was washed with the blood. To everyone who was washed with the blood, who was in the house, God passed over them and they were saved. And this led to Israel's exodus from Egypt. So it's the Passover and the disciples along with Jesus are reclining around the table eating supper and, and, and out of nowhere, Jesus stands up, takes off his, his, his outer garment, 
wraps a servant's towel around him and one by one began to wash each disciple's feet. And many of us are familiar with this story, so we're really not impressed with, with what I just said, but this is mind-blowing to the disciples. We might not know this, but only servants, only slaves, only the people at the lowest of the society order wash feet. Their washing feet was such an humiliating and inferior tax that Jews didn't even allow Jewish slaves to wash feet, only Gentiles, because of how low and humiliating of a tax this is. And today we have Nikes and socks, and we still aren't willing to wash feet. And these people didn't have Sakanis and, and, and top-rated shoes. They had dusty, busted-up sandals, and they was walking on unpaved roads, often filled with animal waste. What a disgusting thing to do to wash somebody else's feet. So why did Jesus wash his disciples' feet? Verse 3 tells us why. Look at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Jesus, knowing that God the Father had given all things into his hands and he had come from God and was going back to God, led him to rise from supper and wash his disciples' feet. See, Jesus knew the power he possessed. He knew who he was, where he had come from, and, and he knew where he was going. He knew his power, his identity, and his destiny. Jesus knew that all things are in his hands. Jesus knew that he is the supreme ruler of all of creation. He knows that he's the high king of not only heaven, but the king of earth. He knows that he's the judge of the living and the dead, the the holder of winds, the Bible tells us. He's the comer of storms. Jesus knows that he is the great judge. He knows that he is the sovereign ruler of the land and the sea. Jesus knows that all things are in his hands. But yet we see Jesus put Philippians 2 in action. Paul wrote, Though he was in the form of God, did not, account, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Jesus laid aside his heavenly glory and emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And here we see Jesus literally take off his, his clothes, his garment, and he wrapped himself in a servant's towel, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. But interesting enough, when he came to Peter, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus said some very important words that we need to hear right now. Jesus said back to Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. This teaches us the first reason why Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Jesus washes us because we all have been made filthy by sin. We all have been made filthy by sin. Leprosy is a contagious disease that the Bible often uses to describe sin. Um, it, it, it was a great fear to attract leprosy because, because they really didn't have a cure for it. 
And leprosy was this contagious disease that, 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 that led to open sores and, and many infections. And when one called leprosy, they was forced to live outside of the town. They was cut off, isolated from, from people and, and their community. And what's fascinating to know, modern, modern science teaches us that leprosy is not just a, a disease that leads to sores. Leprosy actually kills the body's sensation to feel. Dr. Paul Brand, one of the leading experts, says that most of his patients lose their fingers and their toes, not because of the body's decay, but because they lack the ability to feel pain. Nothing warns them that the water that they are washing their hands with is too hot or, or that they have just stepped on the nail and they keep walking or that they have been cut by a razor. Now they bleed out. Some cases of leprosy leads to an, an obvious display that this person has a disease, but some people don't know they have the disease, but they just can't feel and are actually killing themselves. And it's not a coincidence that leprosy is the Bible's chosen symbol for sin. For sin has affected all of us in many different ways. Some of us have the type of sin that is more obvious to the eye. That person is sinning. We, we look at it and we know. But most of us, most of our sin and problem makes us numb and blind to the fact that our sin is actually killing us and destroying us. Many of us are numb to the fact that, that, that this temporary moment of pleasure is actually destroying my soul and will actually destroy my marriage and my family. Many of us think sin is just, uh, it's okay, it's not hurting me, it only affects me, um, God is going to, to forgive me anyway, but we don't realize the deeper impact that sin has. It is actually numbing us and leading us to destruction. James in chapter 1 said that sin leads to death, and this death is not just a physical death, but it is a spiritual death, being eternally separated from God and all of God's people for all of eternity, facing the judgment of your sin. And the truth is, we all have been made filthy by our sin. But the good news is that Jesus washes no matter the kind of sin or the amount of sin, Jesus specializes in pedicures. He specializes in washing feet and washing away your sin. You may ask, how does Jesus wash away my sin? You may ask, how can Jesus change my life? I have tried to change my life time and time again. I have tried everything in the book to wash away my sins. So, so let me tell you, when Jesus washes you, he will take your life, dip your life in his crimson stained blood, and when you come out, you will be white as snow. That's why the old song said, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. I need us to know that we just sung about the one who, who knew no sin but became sin so that you and I who was full of sin may become the righteous of God. This is the God that we serve. This is why we give him all the glory because he took care of our greatest need. And I want to make the argument that our greatest need is not in this world. Our greatest need is, is not the problems that we face in this world. And, and I'm not trying to minimize our real needs. 
I'm ready to eat lunch right now. You know, I have a physical need, you know. But the truth is that we can have all of our earthly material needs met, but if we ignore our greatest need, we are in a world of trouble. That's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, what profit does it make um, man to gain a whole world but profit his soul? Our greatest need is deeper than anything we face in this world. Our greatest need is, is, is greater than having the student loans forgiven this week. Our greatest need is not having our children behave better, but our greatest need is that we have all been stained by sin. But praise God that Jesus washes. But all too often, we, we, we respond like Peter. All too often, we respond like Peter. When Jesus came to Peter and said, okay, it's time for me to wash your feet, Peter stood up and said, no, Lord, you cannot wash my feet. And this is Peter's way of showing his loyalty and devotion to Jesus. And many would be impressed with this display of love. And don't Peter always try to show out? You know, you know he, he said, Jesus, I, I'm your boy. I'm never going to betray you. I'm never going to leave you. And Jesus said, hold on, hold on. Yes, you will. You go to me three times. When Jesus was allowing himself to get arrested, Peter took out his knife, cut the dude's ear off. And Jesus said, Peter, what are you doing, man? Like, calm down. And here Jesus is trying to serve his disciples. And again, Peter, no, Lord, you would never wash my feet. You are too worthy to, to wash my feet. And we know what Jesus says. If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. But I believe we all, a lot of us actually respond like Peter to Jesus. Either because of our pride or our shame. I think we respond to Peter like, like Peter with pride because we say, Jesus, I got this. I don't need you to clean me up. I'm good enough. How about you go clean those people over there up? I'm good because I vote blue. How about you go clean those people who vote that way up? I'm good because, because I don't see it no more. How about you um, um, go clean up that household over there? It's the pride in us that say, Jesus, you don't have to wash me because I'm good. Or we respond to Jesus with, in shame because we say, Jesus, I, I'm not worthy to be touched by you. I keep sinning against you. I, I, I keep messing up. I'm just a screw-up. And, and isn't it funny how our shame actually keeps us from gaining the gift that Jesus is trying to offer us? Many people don't even want to come to church and, and even aren't here right now because they are filled with shame. Shame drives us out of community. Shame drives us away from God. That's why it's so important for us to be the body and stay connected because, because the devil and the enemy is doing everything he can to isolate us and, and to keep us in sin and to keep us from being clean by Jesus. But, but, but even though we all carry some level of shame, the good news is that Jesus is still in a position to wash your feet. Jesus is still in a position to remove your guilt and your shame. And this is the very reason why he even came. In John chapter 3, he already told us that I, I did not come to condemn you or to judge you, but I came to save you. 
I didn't come to break you or to judge you, but I came to heal you. And all you have to do is look at Jesus. So again, I say, what can wash away my sin? And the answer is nothing but the blood of Jesus. So Jesus washes us because sin has made us filthy. And lastly, only two points this morning, Jesus washes us for us to wash each other. Read again, uh, beginning at, at verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said, do you understand what I have done? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus just said, you call me Lord and teacher, and you are right. And if I have washed your feet, you ought to wash another person's foot. Um, my selection of translation to read the Bible is the ESV. That's my daily Bible is the ESV. And I love the ESV, but I think the ESV did completely get it right here. Because Jesus, the, the ESV says that Jesus said, you ought to wash another person's feet because I'll wash your feet. And when I hear that, that kind of comes off to me like my mom saying, hey, that person just did something nice for you. You ought to go say thank you. Like, it will be good if you did it, but it's not a commandment. It's not a requirement. Or, hey, son, you got to wake up early. You ought to go to bed early. It will be good for you, but you don't have to do it. But the word, the Greek word, the original word that, that Jesus actually used is ophilio, which means to owe a debt and to be obligated to someone. It's strong language that's used to describe absolute necessity. It describes a person who is obligated to keep legal law or face the consequences. So Jesus is not casually saying, hey, hey, church, hey, guys, I'll wash your feet. It'll be nice if you go and wash each other's feet. No, he's not saying that. He's saying that if I, the king of kings, the one who literally has seraphim and, and, and angels and all of these heavenly beings flying around my head, crying out, holy, 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 if I can come down low, if I can stoop down and wash your feet and forgive you and serve you, you owe it to me. You are obligated to wash each other's feet. You are obligated to tear down the walls of division. You are obligated to serve each other. You are obligated to meet the needs of, the, of your neighbor who, who needs aren't being met. And you bet not try to live a life chasing just a high privilege and high place looking for everyone to serve you. But if I serve you, your Lord and your teacher, you are to give up your wealth, your time, and all of your gifts and service to each other. And Jesus said in verse 15, I have given you this as an example that you are to follow. You are not greater. The servant is not greater than the master and the student is not greater than the teacher. You are obligated to wash each other's feet. As a church, 
And before I keep going, I, I want to say that we don't do, we don't serve each other out of duty, but actually out of love and joy. Um, with me and my sister, my sister is four years older than me, and for some reason, we always fought. Like, me and my sister, we was fighters. We love each other, but we always fought. And every time we had, like, a big Thanksgiving family gathering, somehow me and my sister got into a big fight. And our punishment was to stand in the corner while everyone was eating and enjoying their time, and we had to hug each other. And so I just, I just remember being this little boy holding my sister like, Mama, she breathing on me, Mama. Ugh. And y'all, that was worse than any, any type of whipping I got, just having to hug my sister because I, I was so angry at her. But for us to get out of timeout, we had to tell each other, I love you. So, of course, I said, I love you, and I went about my day. I did it out of duty not out of true, genuine love. And this is not the service. This is not, our, this is not the believer's motivation. But our motivation is that when we take a step back and think back about the love of God, the great love of God that he will allow his son to die on the cross for us, forgiving us of our sins, that when we think about all the grace and the mercy that God continues to show me, my heart begins to be full, and I have no choice but to give that love, that same grace, that same mercy to you as my brothers and my sister. Um, I just even think about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches us to forgive us our trespasses as we what? Forgive those who trespass against us. And I am, in my sinful heart, I'm only able to forgive someone who has offended me when I realize how much more I have been forgiven. We serve each other out of the light and love. That's our motivation, not because we have to. Um, one thing I regret about the pandemic, um, uh, I'm, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say it. One thing I regret about the pandemic is that I got into watching um, some reality TV that I never watched in the past. Um, I watched my first season of The Bachelor. And I hate to confess that um, I finished the entire season and I came back for the reunion episode. Um, as much as I hated The Bachelor, I was hooked. And Michael Davis judged me and Mike Goosby for talking about it. Um, weekly, but I watched this one show on Netflix. I forget the name, but it it followed couples who was about to meet each other. Well, it followed individuals who was about to meet each other um, for these arranged marriages. And this one guy, he he hated the idea of marrying someone that his family is pretty much telling him to marry. He he hated it. He came from a country where that was the norm, but he went to school in America, and after coming to school in America, he said, hey, I don't want to just marry a random person, but he was at the airport, and, and you could just see his face. He like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to meet this girl, but he had flowers, and he was there. And all of a sudden, you know how like the music started, you know, playing real soft, and the woman came down the escalator, and it just showed his face lighting up. And his depressed, dutiful attitude, 
it was a joy. He was excited to marry this woman after he saw her. And often we serve God in this same way. We come to church like, yeah, I'm here. Or we, or we you know, do these things holding our flowers just kind of out of duty. Uh, we try to live these holy lives, but often trying to live a holy life is burdensome and joyless. So what can change all that? The answer is, is, is for us to see God. When we get a vision of who God truly is, suddenly we are energized to do his mission. When I look back and think about how faithful God has been to me, I can't help but continue to live for him. When, when I think about his, his glory, when I think about his amazing grace that saved a wretch like me, how his love has grasped me, serving him is no longer a duty, but it's a joy. So I want to end with answering the question, how do we wash each other's feet today? Um, I have two, two ways. I feel like the list can, can go on all day, but I just want to highlight these two things. We forgive others of offenses towards us. Maybe it, it is your biological father who wasn't there for you. Maybe it is your, that man who, who, who hurt you and still haven't even asked for, for forgiveness. Maybe you, because of the rich grace and lavish love that God has given you, now you're able to forgive people who, who aren't even, in our minds, worthy of forgiveness. Because we still aren't. Maybe your spouse or your sibling says some very hurtful words for you. Maybe you are that person who, who is the offender and you need to go and ask for forgiveness. Washing each other's feet means that we don't separate, but we come together. And part of that coming together is forgiving each other of the trespasses as we hurt each other. Another way that we can wash each other's feet is by sacrificially serving and giving. Again, Philippians 2 says, look not only to your interests, but to the interests of others. And I don't want to give you a list of, of things to do on like how to specifically wash feet, but I want to leave you with a question. Think about this week. Meditate on who can I serve this week? What need can I meet? What student of mine, what co-worker of mine, what child of mine, what roommate of mine can I serve? Who, whose feet can I wash? And I want to leave you with verse 17. Jesus says that if you do this, blessed you will be. Many times we think that the blessed person is the person who, who has it all. The person who, who has accumulated all of the wealth. And I want to say that that, that, that is a blessing. But material things don't make you blessed. But Jesus tells us that the person who has been washed by me, who has had their sins removed, who lives a life of humble service, this is the blessed person. So guys, as I close, I want to remind us as, as downtown church, especially the type of congregation that we have, that let's continue to press forward to serve each other, to, to wash each other's feet to forgive each other, to, to, to meet unmet needs. Because in doing this, blessed we will be. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your love. 
your love that, that, that has washed over us, Lord. Your word says that there is no greater love than this, than a man who would lay down his life for a friend. So, Lord, we thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we continue to leave this building singing glory to the Lamb. For you are the Alpha and Omega, our Lord, our protector, our father to the fatherless, a friend to the friendless, Lord. And we just want to say thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Glory to you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. But receive the Lord's blessing, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and forevermore. Be blessed. Amen.